the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. to be Lies, 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 and more lies, and more lies, and more lies. We live in a time when the moral and ethical values that we were raised with have vanished. They vanished, it seems, into thin air. They've been replaced by lies lies deceit deceit and the golden calf and the golden calf and the golden calf breaks my heart to say these things to you these things to you but what we need more than any other thing in america today is the truth is the truth Men and women who will speak who will speak the truth. The truth. I was raised during the time in the during the time in the forties, fifties, sixties, sixties. Went on the farm. Went on the farm. 
integrity was integrity was very important very important faith in jesus christ in was jesus of christ utmost was importance utmost our family was our family was a very holy a very holy a very conservative a very conservative a righteous family a righteous family I grew up with the expectation with that the leaders of America would be righteous. Now, there was reason now, to understand reason that they were not. My were father not. would often My speak of often Theodore, Roosevelt Theodore Roosevelt as the betrayer, as, as the, the betrayer, communist betrayer, the betrayer of America. And as I studied and history I and studied I history looked and at I what he did with the big deal, he was a compromiser, was and, a he compromiser was and he was very much leaning very toward much the socialist progressive, progressive agenda, agenda in order to accomplish order to politically, what, politically he what he accomplish. desired to accomplish. Now, I'm not going to go into all the historical detail, but enough to be said that the Great Depression the was great caused by the response of the, the banks and the government, and the government not, by the people. not by the people. And we're facing again we're facing a, great again, a great depression. A great depression. A great financial great collapse financial is about, collapse is to, about fall to fall upon us in America. Upon us in America. And the entire Western and world. The entire Western world. And it is coming because is of coming lies. Because of lies. The small businesses the small were shut businesses down. The churches were shut down. The churches were shut down. Walmart wasn't shut down. Costco wasn't shut down. The alcohol stores, they were not shut down. They were considered essential. Churches were considered non-essential. And the foolish compromised pastors of America went along with that and shut their churches down. And so... So God literally had, God the church had the church vomited out of its buildings, out of its buildings because, of the, because of, the of the compromise of the pastors. Had they stood up and, said, stood no, up and said no, the businesses of America would have been saved. But we didn't want to face but persecution, we didn't want to face did, persecution we? did we? Because the church today because in America has today become America more, has a business more a business than a church. Church. Pastors have become Pastors CEOs, hirelings, effeminate, not men who will stand and call truth by its right name, not men who will call lies, lies, and frankly America today and the American government is utterly corrupt and filled with lies, from the banking cartels, How do I even talk about it? How do I even talk about it? But I can tell you this. But I can tell you this. I listened to a, listened to a famous a humanist famous last humanist night as he gave a lecture on the future of America. And his position was his that America position was, was going to go through a very, very difficult time. And during this difficult during time, this Americans difficult were going time, to Americans awaken going from to their awaken stupor and from the lies. And they were going to throw off the bondage of the 
big tech corporations and the government, and a new government would be formed, and we would have a time of great prosperity after the very painful and difficult time. I listened to a, listened to a, a prophetess this a morning as she was saying the same thing. We're going to go through a very difficult financial crush. In fact, she was more specific, fact, saying, was that more specific saying, time, saying that by Thanksgiving time, the economy would have collapsed, would have collapsed. and Thanksgiving tables Thanksgiving would be basically bare in America. Well, I don't know if that's well, right. The Lord hasn't right. said that to me. But I am clear that there's going to be a time of great repentance and sorrow in America. The Lord has said that to me. There is going to be a turning once more toward the Lord God of heaven on the part of many. But then we are not going to enter into a golden time of American history where everything is rock and roll again. That's not, biblical. That's not biblical. I'm going to talk more about that. about that. But first I want to lay a base, of understanding. Lay a base of understanding. The children of Israel were, of Israel brought, were brought with a miraculous, with a miraculous, a miraculous, hand, of miraculous God. hand of God out of slavery, out of, slavery. Out of bondage. Out of bondage. They saw the dramatic presence of Almighty God. They knew He was real. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the manna every morning. Tons of manna. Enough for the two million people who were in the wilderness. They saw the miracle of the water. They went to Mount Sinai. They They heard the voice of God. God. They knew that Moses was the prophet and that God was speaking face to face with him. him. But their whole background background was filled with lies. lies. There was still still the human heart turning toward the lie. And may I say this? I say it tenderly. But it must be said. But it must be said. The wicked condition, the of, the wicked condition of the human heart is that we will is that always, we will in, always wickedness turn in wickedness turn first, first to the lie. To the lie. The lie that God doesn't the love us, to the lie that God is not there. To the lie that God helps those who help themselves. To the lie that we can't trust the God of heaven. The lie that the prosperity prosperity must be number one in our hearts. As I shared with you, you, a man in a a store said to me, me, you're a handsome man. Women must always be falling at your feet and chafing. I said, I'm not into women. women. He said, well, what are you into then? Money is more important than women. I said, no, 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 no. He said, money is what it's about. I said, no, no, no. It's about God. 
and he quickly moved on. Quickly moved on. It's not about women. It's, it's not, not about, about sex. It's not about sex. It's not about money. It's not about, it's not about prosperity. It's not about prosperity. It's about God. It's about God. And God is going to bring his judgment upon this wicked earth. We don't have much time left. Do not believe the lies. Turn from them. The lies about the pandemic, the lies about the vaccinations, the lies about what happened to John F. Kennedy, the lies about what happened on 9-11, the lies about what happened to Martin Luther King. Lies, 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 deception, deceit, deceit. The human heart will always turn first to the lies and believe them. And if you tell a lie long enough, everyone will believe it. So in chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, we find that Moses find stayed that Moses on the mountain for quite some time. Quite some time. About, a month. About a month. And the people began, and to, the people gather began to gather around Aaron. Around Aaron. And they said to Aaron, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Lie. They know exactly where know Moses exactly is. They can Moses look and see the fire. They can hear the rumble. They, hear they the know rumble. Moses is they up there Moses speaking one-on-one on one with, on one with God. They know where Moses is. But they're afraid. But they're afraid. And they want, and they want in the longing of their heart, with a prosperity, fertility God of the bull. Now Aaron, as the leader, has not gone through what Moses went through in preparation to follow. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness taking care of the sheep, learning to be humble. But Aaron has spent that time with the children of Israel in bondage. He has no backbone, much like many of the pastors today in America. No backbone. Aaron answers the people in verse 2 of chapter 32. Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off the earrings and they brought them to Aaron. And He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then all the people looking the at this golden calf said, wow, these are the gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Lie, lie. They all know that the gods of the Canaanites, they know the god of Egypt did not bring them freedom. 
They knew it was the God of heaven. They had seen the fire. They'd heard the voice of God. They knew better. But their heart turned to the lie. So Aaron sees that the people are pleased with this golden calf. So he builds a proper altar in front of the calf, and he announces, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. What? What? Here's the golden calf. He builds an altar in front of it, and he says, tomorrow we're going to worship the Lord God of heaven. And so what? What is he doing? He's mixing now the worship of the Lord with the golden calf. And that perfectly describes the American church today. A mixing of what is holy with what is profane, what is wicked, wrapped around wicked lies. Wicked lies like, you can never leave your sin. You're always going to be a sinner, and God loves you unconditionally. Oh, mixing the golden calf lies with the truth of Scripture. That God does not have unconditional love, and you cannot walk in known rebellion and sin against God and expect to go to heaven. But these lies are these very lies favorable. Are very they taste favorable. good they in the mouth. Good in the mouth. I've heard so many I've preachers so lie many to God's lie people to in God's my life saying, my life God, saying loves you unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. Really? Then he wouldn't really? have had a hell, he would he? And he would have no day of judgment except to pass out rewards for the wicked. But instead the wicked are cast into the fire according to Revelation. They're not walking in salvation. They're walking in death. Early the next day, everybody gets up. They're expecting a great time. The sacrifices and burnt offerings, the fellowship offerings are offered. We're getting a bit of echo, I'm being told. Tell me, is that better? Tell me, is that better? Check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. It's still echoing. It's still echoing. <laughs> I don't know what to do to change it. Our producer, Brother Ed, producer if you're Brother Ed, if listening, you're would you come online and? On the chat line, give me some direction on what I need to do to stop the echo. Are we still getting the echo? Yes, we're still getting the echo now. Okay. Uh, I'm being told that on the Internet, it's okay, there's no echo. So you're saying the echo is so going, out, the over echo is going out over Wava. Hmm. I don't know what's causing that. What's causing that. Um, Brother Ed, would you listen Brother on the radio Ed, side and see if over the radio you're picking up an echo? And would you please quickly would get, you back, please to get back to me on that? 
check one, two, three. We're having some technical difficulties. Please forgive us. We've been struggling valiantly with how to get this new board set up in a way that is functional. Uh, Brother Ed worked on it extensively yesterday, but evidently we're still getting an echo. Brother Ed, as you listen Brother on the Ed, radio, are you picking, radio, up, an are you picking up an echo also? This is the fun of live radio. Of if live it were radio. recorded, pre-recorded, we wouldn't, pre-recorded, be, facing we wouldn't be facing any of this. Well, let me go on. Well, let me go on. Please forgive us the echo. Us the echo. Uh, Brother Pugh will get back to me in just a moment. With whether as he listens, as he listens to the radio, there is an echo. The people get up. The people get up. And they sit down. And they sit down. And they eat. And they eat. And they drink because they could eat the meat of the eat the meat of the fellowship offerings. Fellowship offerings. And it says they got up to indulge in revelry. In revelry. Yes, Brother Pugh, you're saying you hear the echo. Any suggestions on how I can readjust the board so that that echo won't be there? Uh, I have made certain that the... Brick link return, link return is turned off. Is turned off. Uh, the desktop, uh, audio desktop audio I've turned off. I've turned off. So the only thing that's so on. The only thing that's on. Check one two. Check one two. The only thing that's on. Is the desk is the, is desk the microphone is the microphone well I'm gonna go forward please go forward please bear with me on the radio side on the radio side they got up to eat and drink to eat and drink and to sexually play and to sexually play to have an orgy to have an orgy now what is moses now, doing what is moses
if the priest rested on the seventh day. Physically, it was his hardest day. It's when the sacrifices had to be made. It's when the special occurrences happened. It was a full day of work, but it was resting on the Sabbath. It was not breaking the Sabbath. Now, please understand, you're called to be a priest. And every day you work in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, the Sabbath, the seventh day, can well be, if this is what you believe, a day to come apart and just worship the Lord and not do any work. But I can tell you, I was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist and then served as a pastor for 10 years in an Adventist church. I can tell you the Sabbath was my busiest and toughest day of the week. It was a day filled with preaching and counseling. It was a day filled with ministry. So keeping the Sabbath day does not necessarily mean not working. Keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath means not working for money. But working instead as a priest of the Most Holy God. It still means that. It means that seven days a week. Now let's go to Hebrews. I want you to see this. This is the most precious understanding of the Fourth Commandment. Therefore, holy brethren, this is chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, he's speaking to brothers who are holy, who've been set apart, who've been saved. Partakers of a heavenly calling, you must carefully fix attention on the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, being faithful to the one having appointed him, even as Moses in all of his house. Now this one has been considered worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the one having built the house has much greater honor than the house itself. Jesus has much greater honor. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but the one having built all things is God. And Jesus was fully God. And indeed, Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of the things going to be spoken. But Christ is a son over his house, whose house we are, if indeed we may hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Therefore, verse 7, just as the Holy Spirit says. Today, if you hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, provoked me, and saw my works for 40 years. For this reason, I was angry with that generation and I said they are always led astray in the heart unbelief flows 
out of a hardened heart. Unbelief is a choice. Where we say, I will believe what I choose to believe. And we establish our belief based on our experience and our wisdom and our understanding. And those beliefs are faulty. My beliefs have to be based on what the Scripture teaches, on what Jesus said. My reality cannot be my experience. My reality must be what Jesus has done and said on the word of Scripture. It says, And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. And the word rest here in Hebrews, in the Greek, means cessation. It means stopping doing what you're doing. It also means the bedroom, the place of repose, God's bedroom. He's saying that as long as you choose to believe what you choose to believe, and you refuse to believe that there is a place of rest, as long as you do not know the ways of God, you only know your own ways. Do you know the ways of God? I'm learning them. One of my constant prayers is, O oh God, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways that I would please you. Because I want to dwell in the rest. Now please understand, they were given one day of rest and six days of their work for them to provide for them what was necessary. But in the new covenant, we are offered seven days of rest. That does not mean we stop working. It means we stop doing our work, but we instead do God's work. Do you get it? Seven days a week we are called, when we are saved, to be servants of the Most High God. And for those seven days a week, we are His servants. We are bearing testimony to His glorious truth that He loves us, that we can walk without sin, that we have been washed in the blood, that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, that we have been born from above, We've been born again. Now I'm deeply concerned because many of you don't want seven days with Jesus. You can barely stand one day. You want your own life. You want your own way. You don't want God's way. You want to believe that you can't stop sinning because that gives you an excuse to continue walking in your sin. You don't want to die and be born from above. Instead, you would rather have Jesus spray-painted on the outside. And that's why I say, and it pains me deeply, but most people who call themselves Christians in America are not Christians. They're pagans at heart. 
They just put on a cultural religion. But you're not really any different than the world. I've shared with you, Focus on the Family's done careful research on this. James Barna has done, or George Barna has done careful research on this. And the report is that that most Christians are no different than the world in the way they spend their time and the way they spend their money and the television shows they look at, what they do on the Internet, the games they play, their goals and objectives. Ask somebody, what are your goals? And many Christians will say, when you say, what are you going to do when you retire? They're going to say, well, I've got a bucket list of things I want to go see. Cruises I want to take. They're not going to say, I want to serve Jesus. Just as I have in my work, I want to serve Jesus. No, they'll say, I have this hobby or that hobby. I want more time for my hobbies. I seriously doubt your salvation. I seriously doubt your salvation because you've not yet grasped the truth of entering into the rest of Jesus. You are still going your own way. This causes me heartburn. Somebody said to me, Pastor, last week, Thursday, you got pretty emotional. Yes, I did. It's very emotional for me, and it's very emotional for God. He died for you. He loves you. Verse 12. This is Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 12. You must take heed, brethren... That is, you must, you must pay attention here. Don't be casual. Pay attention. Heads up. Lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in the fall away from the living God. But you must encourage yourselves every day while it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deception of sin, by the deception of the world. You must be very careful. For we have become partners, partakers of the Christ on the condition we may hold firmly the beginning of the trust until the end. Today, if you hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For some, having heard, rebelled, but all, not all the ones having come out from Egypt by uh, Moses. Now with whom was he angered for forty years? Was it not with the ones having sinned, whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness? What is he saying? He's saying, look, you're a holy one right now. You've made a decision to serve Jesus. Now pay attention. Don't be deceived. Don't go back to the ways of the world. Don't go back to your own lifestyle. 
enter into the rest of Jesus and stay there seven days a week. And to whom, verse 18, and to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest except to the ones having disobeyed? Now we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. They were not able to enter in because of unbelief. It wasn't just unbelief about the one day a week. It was unbelief about whether he would provide water for them, whether he provide food for them. It was unbelief about whether he would heal them from the snake bites. It was unbelief whether he would lead them to the promised land. And finally, it was unbelief that they could defeat the powerful forces that controlled the promised land. It's no different today. Some of you are are facing what for you is a moral choice. Do I take the jab or do I not take the jab? And some of you will say, I want to go do what I want to do. I want to fly where I want to fly. I want my life. And so I'll take the jab. I'm not telling you you're wrong. But there are some of you who will not take the jab because for you it is morally wrong. I'm one of those. For me, it is morally wrong to take the jab. I'm not going to put into the body of the Holy Spirit, the house of the Holy Spirit, remnants of baby parts. I'm not going to inject into my body dangerous chemicals. I'm not going to inject into my body what will transform my DNA. I pray for those of you who have taken the jab, and I pray that the blood of Jesus Christ will cover you and provide healing and life for you. But I'm under the shelter of the wing of the Almighty, and I trust him. I do not want you to walk in unbelief against the Most High God, which means you don't go against your conscience. You do not compromise. Now, he, he leaves that in the third chapter, and you know there was no chapter headings when this was written, and no verses. So chapter 4 Continuing from chapter 3, Consequently, may we fear, lest a promise being left open to enter into his rest, anyone from among you might think to have missed it. What's he mean? Okay, they were not able to enter because of their unbelief, because they would not believe the word of Jesus. 
They didn't trust their life in the hands of Jesus Christ. Will you trust your life in the hands of Jesus, or will you turn in rebellion? Verse 2, For indeed we are having the gospel preached to us, even as they. But the word of hearing did not benefit them, not having been united with faith after hearing the word. Now we, the ones having believed, enter into the rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest, even though the works having been finished from the foundation of the world. See, he's not just speaking about a seventh-day Sabbath here, one day a week. He's talking about a a seven-day-a-week Sabbath. For he has said, as we know, concerning the seventh day in this manner, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works, and in that place again they will not enter into my rest. So he's using the seventh day Sabbath, one day a week, as a symbol, as a sign of seven days a week. Since then it remains for some to enter into it, and the ones at an earlier time, having had the gospel preached to them, did not enter in because of disobedience, he again set a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time as it has been said, Today, if you hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts. Now if Joshua gave them rest, he would not have spoken concerning another day, after this time. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one having entered into his rest, even he himself rested from his works as God rested from his own. So he's saying, look, there is a Sabbath rest for you to enter into. And it is a a symbol. The Sabbath is a symbol or a sign of salvation. How we can participate with salvation is not one day a week. The apostle who wrote the book of Hebrews is saying, look, the seventh day Sabbath, the one day of rest, is a shadow pointing to seven days of rest, to entering into Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And his righteousness. Now listen. And all these other things will be given to you as well. So make every effort to enter into that rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active to make things happen and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, even to discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God is examining you. And he sees whether you want to simply have a seventh-day Sabbath or a first-day-of-the-week Sabbath, Sunday, or whether you will enter into that rest of seven days a week and keep it as holy as a priest under the Lord. 
Now there's not a creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked, and having been laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Having then a great high priest, having passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now we do not have a high priest not being able to sympathize with infirmities, not having been tested on all things according to the likeness of our nature apart from sin. May we come near then to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. I want to talk for a moment about and there is going to be a short time of anguish in the hearts of God's people as he prepares a people without spot or blemish, without sin, to walk clean by the power of the blood of Jesus, to cast off the lies of the modern church, to cast off the lies of our culture, of our government, to soberly come into the presence of God and ask, what would you have me do? Now, we're almost out of time for this broadcast. I'd like to be able to continue with this broadcast next month. And I'm very grateful to those of you who have listened to this broadcast and said, we need this message. And you have chosen to give. I want to thank you. I'm spending time in the prayer closet crying out to the Lord, asking him to move in the heart of his people. I know he's doing that. I know he's doing that. And I thank you. And I thank you. I know this has not been an easy message to listen to. But what's about to happen in this nation is not going to be easy. And we need to not be lied to. We need the truth. We need the truth. And I can tell you right now the joy of the Lord fills my heart as I have utterly turned my life over to him. I am trusting him to carry us through what we're about to walk through. And it will be a glorious time of victory in righteousness. It may cost us our lives, and that's all right. We must be willing to be joyful martyrs for Jesus Christ because we know him and we walk in righteousness and our hearts are filled with joy as we come to him in full confidence knowing that his will must be carried out on the face of the earth and that this dark and wicked world must finally come to an end and it will not be a pretty end. It will end in fire. But it will also end in the redemption of God's people. I can tell you now. I want to side with Jesus Christ. 
against the errands of this day. I choose Jesus. Do you? There's only one way to get through this. And that's to go through. And that's to go through. But we've been granted amazing grace to cheer us as we go through this tumultuous time. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel? Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, our mailing address, National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go online to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I'm thanking those of you who have. I check it every day, and I rejoice and pray for those of you who give. I can't, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I need men and women who will stand though the heavens fall. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.